Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Welcome to Delivering the Gospel, Transforming Lives with Bill Neenhouse, President of Child Care Worldwide, a child sponsorship ministry transforming children's lives by exposing them to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's join Bill now as he opens us up with prayer. Lord of heaven and earth, we praise your name today. We thank you for your cup of grace that overflows. I ask that you open our minds to your word and that it may bless our hearts in an effectual way. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. I'm Bill Neenhouse from Child Care Worldwide. We are a child sponsorship ministry located in Bellingham, Washington. Our mission is to deliver the gospel of Jesus Christ to children throughout the world. We're so glad you've joined us for Delivering the Gospel, Transforming Lives today. And during the program, we'll study the Word and then talk about lives that have been transformed by the power of Almighty God. My prayer is this time will be a blessing to you. Did you know that Christ is our spiritual rock? Have you ever heard that description before? In 1 Corinthians 10 verse 4, it says, They drank of that spiritual rock that then followed them, and that rock was Christ. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord, is rock eternal. That's Isaiah 26 verse 4. Our God is a rock to the Christian believer, a rock that resists the crashing waves we experience in life. A vessel was wrecked one stormy night off the coast of England. All were drowned except an Irish boy. The wave swept him onto a great rock. In the morning he was rescued. Lad, didn't you tremble out there on the rock during the night? Sure I trembled, but the rock didn't tremble once all night long. As you live day by day, are you clinging to a solid rock? Or are you floundering around on your own, losing ground and losing strength? When you hear the term Christ our rock, what comes to mind? For me, I jump immediately to music. I'm reminded of the beautiful hymn, Rock of Ages. Rock of Ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side which flowed be of sin the double cure. Save from wrath and make me pure. There are other good songs, of course. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ, my righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Growing up in the Pacific Northwest, I've experienced wind. And there's nothing like a strong 50-mile-per-hour gust that can lift you off your feet and push you down and along the ground. For folks who have lived in other parts of the country, they may have experiences with winds much stronger than 50 miles per hour. In fact, tornado winds can double that speed. Without something to anchor yourself to the earth, winds of that speed can pick you up into the air, toss you about for hundreds of yards, and slam you back to the ground, ending in death. Life without a saving faith in Jesus can be just like that. With nothing to hold us firm, we get thrown around and round here and there with nothing but destruction around us. Two friends who differed on the question of the believer's safety in Christ were discussing the question, and one said to the other, 
I tell you, a child of God is safe only so long as he stays in the lifeboat, and if he jumps out, he's lost. To this, the other person replied, You remind me of an incident in my own life. I took my little son out with me in a boat. I realized, as he did not, the danger of his falling or even jumping into the water. So I sat with him all the time, and all the time I held him fast, so he could neither fall out nor jump out off the boat. But, said the speaker, he could have wriggled out of his coat and got away in spite of you. Oh, said the other, you misunderstood me if you supposed I was holding on to his coat. I was holding on to him. Do you understand that your heavenly father is holding you tightly? That he has a grip on your life, not just on your hand? You can rest assured that once you have genuinely placed your faith in Christ, you have eternal life. That's a rock you can depend on. In 2 Samuel 22, verse 47, we read, The Lord lives, praise be to my rock. Exalted be God, the rock, my Savior. So how do we grab hold of this rock? How does God become our refuge, our everlasting rock of salvation? Through Christ. He is the door by which we enter into salvation. When we repent of our sins and believe in the salvation He offers, everything becomes new. We are changed. When we make a total commitment to Christ, the Holy Spirit cleanses us. This is part of the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. And that redemptive work is solid and permanent, like a huge rock which cannot be moved. Jesus is a shelter from the wind and a refuge from the storm, like streams of water in the desert and the shadow of a great rock on a thirsty land. Christ is the Christian's protection. When the storms of life are raging, He is our rock in whose shelter we can safely hide. Christ is the Christian's rest. When we become exhausted by the hurry and the scurry of our busy lives, we can find healing through prayer and the promises found in His Word. Christ restores our strength in time of need. He is the rock of restoration to those who trust Him completely. Psalm 40 verse 2 reads, He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. A few years ago, I went fishing in Alaska. For several days, my dad, my brother, and me spent hours on the open sea in a 20-foot boat rocking back and forth. And that's when we were just trolling. On our way back out to sea to find the fish, we sped along the water rising up and slamming down on the waves as we moved forward. While I loved that experience, I'll never forget how great it felt to finally step off that boat onto solid ground. Standing on the solid rock, well, it was cement in this case, renewed a sense of peace in me that wasn't there when we were in the middle of nothing but water for as far as the eye could see. Our life on earth can be kind of like the constant rocking of that fishing boat. So we constantly look for something that will provide stability, confidence, security. Oftentimes, we hope friends can do that for us. But many Christians can be undependable. They are up and down, in and out. They're human after all. They will fail us from time to time. That's not a solid rock by which to stand upon. Only Christ can provide that dependability, that kind of security. Christ wants us to be established. When we give God first place in our lives and trust Him implicitly, He enables us to make the right choices. When we are determined to live for Christ, 
He establishes our lives and keeps us from falling. Although we'll spend seasons of this life as if we are rocking on that fishing boat I was in, we are grounded and established by Christ Himself. He is our solid rock. He's our stability in this life. His promises are unbreakable. We can completely trust in Him. He loves and cares for us. Isaiah 42 verse 11 says, Let the inhabitants of the rock sing. Let them shout from the top of the mountains. Some Christians mar their testimony by wearing long, unhappy faces. I've seen them, and I'm sure you have too. Nothing seems to be right in their life. They're oftentimes angry or dissatisfied with their circumstances. Someone or something has failed them. The truth is, they fail Christ, for He expects us to witness and work for Him joyfully here on earth. Christians who are forgiven, cleansed, and on their way to heaven should be the happiest people on earth. When Christ is our rock, we live a life of joy. Joy because we have confidence. We're secure. We can look forward to a life with our Lord in the perfection of heaven, where there will be no instability, no ups, no downs, no shifting sands, no rocking back and forth like me on that fishing boat, just a solid, firm foundation on which to stand. Pure joy and love emanating from the Father of lights. No pain, no tears. Death is defeated. Man, I sure like the sound of that, don't you? If Christ is our rock of rejoicing here on earth, we shall also rejoice with Him in the life to come, for He is the rock of ages. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for being our rock of ages. We praise you for what you've done for us on the cross and how through faith with you we can live forever in the perfection of heaven. Father, we pray for our fellow Christians who struggle to stay rooted on your firm foundation. May they be rescued by you and live a life of joyfulness here on earth while we await your return. We pray this in your name. Amen. I love talking about the kids in our child sponsorship ministry. It's a blessing to know about their lives, what happened before and what happens today with them, the transformation we've seen. The stories are amazing. Here's another story about one of our kids in our child sponsorship ministry, Child Care Worldwide. Jonathan lived in Masaka, Uganda, and grew up in a very religious family. Everything in his life centered around the church. If the doors were open, Jonathan was there. His religion was based on fear, and the number one fear was the fear of going to hell. He was afraid of not going to church because he was afraid of going to hell. He was afraid of being outside that group because if he was outside that group, he might be going to hell. That's what church was. That's what God was. A list of things you couldn't do and constant fear. Jonathan told me about a Wednesday night he'll never forget. He was in grade four. He was already in bed and had a dream that he was in hell. The devil was right there, and there were flames coming up, and he realized that he hadn't made it to heaven. He called out and woke up his parents, and then told them about his dream. Immediately, his father grabbed the phone and called their pastor, and the next thing Jonathan knew, he was in a taxi in his pajamas along with his brother and sister. Apparently, and unbeknownst to him, He'd reached the age of accountability, where he was responsible for knowing the truth. 
Jonathan and his family headed to their church, and he prayed the whole way that the taxi driver wouldn't have an accident because he knew he'd go to hell if he didn't get to church and get baptized first. He remembered vividly that night at the church and the look of the sanctuary. The only light in the church was in the baptistry. Everything else was black and shadowed. Jonathan's parents were there, and his brother and sister were standing quietly to the side. He was nervous and shaking because he was convinced that soon everything would be different. Everything was going to change in this momentous evening. Jonathan's dad wanted to be the one to baptize him, so they both climbed down into the baptistry. The preacher stood to one side, coaching his dad with what to say and how to go about the baptism. His dad said what he was supposed to. Then he remembered being dipped down under the water and coming back up. Jonathan was convinced that he'd experienced something special. Maybe the voice of angels or a trumpet or something. But as he came up back out of the water, what he heard instead was the pastor saying to his dad, Uh, Robert, you're going to have to do that again because you didn't go all the way under. And that was Jonathan's salvation. That was it. He was so disappointed. He remembered that every day began the same. He'd think to himself, today I'm going to do everything right. I'm not going to fail today. And every day he'd find himself ending the same way, with trying to remember all the things he had done wrong and making sure he prayed and asked for forgiveness. Because if he died, even though he was baptized and was considered a Christian, he knew he'd go to hell. Later, Jonathan married a wonderful young lady named Rachel, and they started a family. He felt a terrible weight of responsibility to make sure his wife and his son made it to heaven. So he did what he knew. He made sure they went to church. Jonathan's wife was already a believer. She was so gracious. She would encourage him to try attending a different church, but he thought, no way. At night, after Rachel had gone to sleep, Jonathan would take her Bible and go sit in the closet with the light on. He'd flip to the areas where she underlined passages about being saved by God's grace alone, verses that she often talked about. He'd try to figure out how to convince her that she was wrong, and it couldn't be that simple. It soon ended up that Jonathan got a new job and had to move his family. There they were in a town where no one knew them. They began attending a small church in their new town. People were friendly, and they soon got involved in a Bible study. They started in the book of Romans. Jonathan knew about the apostle Paul, and he knew about grace and the cross, but he didn't see how they connected at all. He didn't realize that the whole point of the cross was grace. At the end of his Bible study lesson, he wanted to keep going and read ahead. Jonathan wanted to find out how it all fitted together. The Holy Spirit was at work opening his eyes. He was so excited to see what was around the corner, how it was going to tie together. When they reached the end of the Bible study on Romans, the instructor told his group that when they taught others the gospel, they would get to this moment where a choice needed to be made, where there was a decision to make. At that moment, Jonathan, with tears streaming down his face, could hear his mind telling him, it's true, it's true, it's all true. In that moment, Jonathan grabbed onto grace. The power of God's holy word grabbed Jonathan and convinced him of the truth of the good news of the gospel. The group talked about how God was a holy God, how we are helpless sinners, that Christ provided a sufficient substitute, and how he paid the penalty for our personal sins. Just then, Jonathan's pastor walked into the room. This is great. This, is, this grace is just incredible. It's so overwhelming, Jonathan explained. 
He told him that it was just too good to be true, but it was. He prayed that this feeling of awe, this overwhelming grace, would never get old, never change, and it hasn't since. The next morning, Jonathan and his wife decided to write out what they had learned. His hand couldn't write fast enough to keep up with what his brain knew, and everything had changed. He realized that he had experienced something very different from the other people in the Bible study. They had joined to learn how to use a book of the Bible to convince someone of their need for grace. Instead, Jonathan became convinced for the very first time. He was so grateful. He was excited. He couldn't wait to tell his extended family or anyone who would listen. The gospel was finally good news. Later, he remembered driving through the dark of night listening to Christian music. It was new and it was different to him. He was hearing words like grace and amazing love, how can it be, that you, my king, would die for me? Well, now he knew what that meant. That meant the substitutionary death of Christ. He knew the gospel. Jonathan was given the opportunity to share in church, and he was eager to tell everyone what he'd learned. He got to share the story of the gospel and how he was so excited to go through the same teaching his kids. He wanted to make sure that there wouldn't ever be a time in their lives when they didn't hear and understand the good news. Jonathan loved getting into the Word of God. He just soaked it up and couldn't get enough. Before, it was literally a foreign language. Even though he knew the Bible stories, they didn't mean anything to him. Now the Holy Spirit was shedding new light on the verses that used to trip him up. Jonathan read Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9, late one night. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. He was so amazed that he woke Rachel up and shared his excitement. Can you believe this? Do you understand what this means? Rachel had understood it all along, but hadn't been able to help Jonathan see the truth. Now Jonathan knows. He now knows that when he leaves this world, his home is in heaven. The only thing that could change that is if Christ suddenly became less perfect and his death wasn't enough to pay the death penalty Jonathan had. And because that's not going to change, he's at peace. Jonathan is entrusting his eternal destination to the finished work of the cross. Amen. Life Centers are local churches where sponsored children gather every week for a day of discipleship. Through Bible study, songs, games, and lessons in our gospel-first curriculum, children learn about Jesus and how to grow in their faith. Each child receives individual instruction and care from our trained Life Center teachers, ensuring their spiritual, academic, and personal needs are all being met. Through Life Centers, children hear the gospel and learn how to walk closer with Jesus every day. We love sharing stories about our kids. The easiest ones to tell are the dramatic ones, a child being baptized, a life-saving intervention. But sometimes it's the quiet behind-the-scenes efforts that have the biggest impact. Brian is a 12-year-old boy who attends Life Center in Kenya. His story isn't very dramatic, but to us, it's still pretty exciting. Brian comes from what you might call a typical Kenyan family. He lives with both his parents as well as his two siblings. His dad works in construction and his mom works odd jobs in the neighborhood. Despite their hard work, 
they still struggle financially. But they're not as desperate as some. Brian dreams of becoming a mechanical engineer when he grows up, and he loves playing soccer in his spare time. He even goes to Sunday school every week. Sunday school is where Brian first heard about Jesus, but it is at his life center that his faith really started to grow. And the story of how that happened is beautiful. You see, the Life Center has been a big part of Brian's life over a number of years. It's provided him with structure, new friends, and with many opportunities to grow. Best of all, it's provided him with Christian mentors. Brian's Life Center teachers have consistently spoke the truth to him and have been there for him through all the ups and downs over the past few years. With their help, he sees a brighter future for himself. Because they believe in him, he has doubled down in his efforts in school and now believes that he will someday achieve his dreams of becoming an engineer. And because they have consistently modeled for him how to live respectfully, honestly, and walk with Christ, Brian is learning to do the same. Brian is quick to explain how grateful he is for how his Life Center teachers are always following up with him. He says they help him follow Jesus, and because of their example, he now has more courage in telling his friends about Jesus. This type of slow, quiet transformation is so special because we know it creates lasting change. Brian's Life Center teachers are changing the whole trajectory of his life, and we can't wait to see how his faith continues to grow. I'll never forget the first time I visited Kenya and Uganda as Child Care Worldwide's second president. I was there with the goal of learning more about Child Care Worldwide's programs and the people we serve. Yet, it was seeing the children that left the biggest impression on me. Many people say that they had not seen true poverty until they visited the developing world. While this is true in a physical sense, I have also never seen life transformation in the same way as I saw it in Africa. For me, the best parts of the trip were my visit to our life centers. Life centers are at the epicenter of the work we do at Child Care Worldwide. A life center at that local church in the community meet every Saturday for three hours. In this time, kids are taught Bible story lessons, memorize scripture, they spend time together in prayer, they sing, they dance, they worship, they play with their friends, and they share food together. My team and I were invited to participate in a number of life centers during that visit. In each one, I could see the joy of the faces on the kids. They were excited to learn and have fun, but more than that, I could also see a difference in the way they responded to the gospel being shared. They had the hope of Jesus Christ in their lives. During my visits, I had the opportunity to speak to many of the children and teachers and hear amazing stories of transformation. One teacher shared a story with me that had particularly strong impact. She spoke of a child who began to attend Life Center after being enrolled in our sponsorship program. He came from a non-Christian family and had never heard the good news of Jesus before. After attending the Life Center for a few months, he began teaching the Bible stories, songs, and verses to his brothers and sisters. Eventually, his parents became curious and listened to what he had to say. Today, that family is involved in their local church, and the whole family has accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, all thanks to the transformation that began in one child at our Life Center. This story is just one example of why we believe Life Centers are so important and why we are excited to continue to add more Life Centers to our ministry. True life transformation for a child starts by exposing them to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I can think of no better place for this to occur than at a Child Care Worldwide Life Center.
You know, you can help give to Life Centers. You can help them prosper. You can help us build more Life Centers, not only in Kenya and Uganda, but throughout the world. Go to childcareworldwide.org. There at our website, you can learn more about Life Centers, and you can give specifically to ensure that Life Centers can continue to meet each and every Saturday. Childcareworldwide.org is where you go to learn about Life Center, to learn about Childcare Worldwide, and all our programs that we distribute and mobilize throughout the world. Thanks for listening to Delivering the Gospel, Transforming Lives. I'm Bill Neenhouse, President of Child Care Worldwide, a child sponsorship ministry based in Bellingham, Washington. We'll talk again next week. You've been listening to Delivering the Gospel, Transforming Lives with Bill Neenhouse, President of Child Care Worldwide. To learn more, go to childcareworldwide.org. Join us again next week here on 820 AM, The Word. The Word.